Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 436. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Michael Stoops. Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Hey, Mark, I am I am buckled up. I, uh, I don't have a Hans device on. I don't think we're going to be quite that wild today. <laughs> but uh, the the car's revved up and ready to go, too, so let's hit it. All right. Well, I promise to kind of keep the car between the rails and not in the ditch. So I hope that Hans device is <laughs> not needed. But uh, I guess in your case, I should have said, do you have your machine orbital in hand? Or are you ready to polish? And I'll explain to the listeners why that's going to come up as we talk here. But first, let me introduce you to Michael Stoops. He's the Senior Global Products and Training Specialist at McGuire's Car Care Company. He helps Meguiar's staff and customers become more skilled with their detailing, utilizing their extensive line of car care products. In almost every country throughout the world, Meguiar's is used by millions of devoted customers and enthusiasts to keep their vehicles looking new. You'll find Mike on live shows, television at events, podcasts, radio, and more, sharing his vast knowledge of the brand and how to use the products offered at Meguiar's. Michael, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for making automobiles look perfect. Certainly, certainly. Thank you for that, Mark. Yeah, you know, my uh, my career in kind of the automotive world is fairly new. I kind of stumbled into it and, and got pushed into it in a way. I, I grew up outside Detroit. So as a, as a kid in the 60s in Detroit, how can you not be a car guy? All right. Especially when your dad is an engineer. I'm still one of the big three, specifically Chrysler at, at this point. But more than being an engineer from Chrysler, he was, uh, he was an immigrant from Belgium. So he, you know, survived World War II. He got into some kind of club racing, light sports car. He raced with a, a guy by the name of Paul Frere. Oh, yeah. At the time, Paul was just another kid from Belgium. Uh-huh. Dad ended up moving uh, with my, my brother and two older sisters and my mom, of course, to the States. And Paul Frere went on to... Uh, well, I think some automotive greatness, actually. I mean, come on, you win Le Mans, you write several books. You become, uh, yeah, you know, Paul's very well done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Well, so my dad would tell me these stories about, uh, you know, kind of some of his exploits with, uh, with racing in Europe. It was kind of like the equivalent of SCCA showroom sock kind of stuff. There was no Formula One. There was, you know, nothing really big time with him. Mm-hmm. But he would tell me about Alfa Romeos and, and Maseratis and Mercedes-Benz and Jaguars. And he would talk about guys like Tazio Nivellari wow. and Juan Manuel Fangio and Sir Sterling Moss. And this was the kind of stuff that, that got my juices flowing thinking about cars, even though here I am in, you know, muscle car heaven. Yeah. But it wasn't really the muscle cars were getting me because we grew up in Detroit. They were on every street corner. Those, they, were, they were common as could be. And my dad's telling me about all this exotic stuff. And that's what kind of really got me thinking about cool cars or cars that at least I thought were, you know, kind of cool back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, even with all that, my, my career path never really went automotive, partially because well, I kind of hated math. And I guess to be a good engineer, you, you, math is kind of important. Uh, pretty important, um, yep. I, yeah, I, I actually wanted to get into broadcasting, but I became kind of disillusioned with that industry pretty early on. I had a degree in communications. And rather than getting into broadcasting, I ended up going into sales. And that kind of took some twists and turns over the years. And as we, we fast forward to about 10 years ago, I was getting towards the end of about a 25-year stint in commercial print and direct mail marketing. So, yes, I apologize to everyone listening. I used to produce all your junk mail. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's okay. But, <laughs> some of that brought some pretty cool stuff to the mailbox. Yeah, hey, I had uh, I had some pretty cool clients. I mean, Oakley was a client of mine. Oh, yeah. About the only thing that I really missed from, from those times was uh, all the cool swag I used to get from my contacts with Oakley. Yeah. But that, that's an industry that, that was transitioning not in a very good way. The post office was getting pretty, uh, pretty aggressive with some of the stuff. And a lot of things were going digital. Mm-hmm. And detailing and keeping my cars clean had always been a hobby of mine. It was a hobby that was growing pretty rapidly when I no longer had company cars and I had to start taking care of my own. And I started hanging out at McGuire's. I took uh, the detailing classes. Uh, that McGuire's offers. Uh-huh. Uh, I used to hang out regularly at the Thursday night open garages and started thinking, you know, this is, I mean, there are people that make a living doing this. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Then as I watched the industry that I was in start to evolve and kind of devolve and start to fall apart, I'd been invited by McGuire's to be part of their Ford SEMA team where they, they prep and maintain 50, 60 cars for Ford mm. at SEMA. Uh, I got called in one time to help buff out. We have uh, we've got a couple of uh, custom-painted big rigs that travel around the country, and, oh, and yeah. one of them had been damaged in a storm. And I had been called in and asked if I could help wet sand and buff one of these 50-foot trailers. Cool. They talk about a daunting task. <laughs> yeah. Wet sand and buff a 50-foot trailer, for goodness sake? Uh, yeah. And I thought, you know, maybe I need to start talking to these guys about the possibility of getting in there. And through that, that event at SEMA, I started talking to them about that in 2007. And it became apparent that I was going to have to get in kind of on the ground floor. I was going to have to take a massive pay cut if I was going to do this. Yep. But I was in an industry that I was watching literally fall apart. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, I actually have an opportunity to turn my hobby, to turn my passion into a second career. My wife was very supportive of it. And uh, one thing led to another, and um, I got my foot in the door. Now I'm our senior global product and training specialist with there that you go. Be it's great. <laughs> I know, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it was an opportunity that I guess was kind of there and I pushed for it. 
and I wanted it, and here I am. Well, it's a wonderful story, and it's really a testament to, number one, finding your passion, and then finding a door, as you said, to uh, put your foot in, hanging out with the people that you want to be around, giving some tests and trials, tribulations, if you will. But it's a wonderful story. I really like it. And I'll tell our listeners, I got to meet Michael when I was at Concorso Italiano this past summer. And a really nice guy. I can tell you are one very passionate guy about not only the brand Meguiar's, but about cars and and even more important, helping people learn how to use these products so that uh, they can have the great success with them. With car care, it is all about how you use the products and using them correctly. And my many, yeah, my many years in the industry, I discovered that uh, usually when people were frustrated with a product, they just weren't using it right, and they needed some uh, guidance and education. So it's a wonderful story. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Michael, take the wheel. Well, I, I tell you, Mark, the uh, something that you just said about people using the product properly in order to get the most out of it. And since I do a lot of training and a lot of teaching, I've actually recently come across something from Benjamin Franklin. Nice. That actually seems to just dovetail so perfectly into what I do. And that is, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. I love that one. And. It's so perfect. When when we're doing training classes, we can't just stand there and and talk to people. You can't just read something to them. They can't just see this off the forum. We actually get them hands-on working with things, and it's the best way. It it crystallizes in their mind maybe what they've been doing wrong or what they've been afraid of. But once they see it, they feel it, they touch it, they smell it, they hear it, and they're actually working with it hands-on. They've got it nailed, and it's fantastic. I think uh, Benjamin Franklin never detailed a car in his life, I'm, I'm quite sure, <laughs> but uh, I think he nailed it with this one. Yeah, I think if he was here today, uh, he would uh, definitely like the process that you have going there and the, the knowledge and education that McGuire's provides their customers is really extensive. And, of course, I've had several people from McGuire's on the show here, including Barry McGuire, and I've admired mm-hmm. your products for many, many years. I used them back when I was – starting my own detailing business at the young age of 14. It's a really, really great thing to do, and I love that quote. Thanks for sharing that with us. Would you share a story with me that instigated your personal passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment that you remember that you really realized that you were a car guy? Yeah, as a matter of fact, and and I've I've told this story to to countless people, and it's, it's such a fond memory for me. Back in 1970, my brother was a senior in high school. I was probably sixth, seventh grade, something like that. And my dad always had a couple of company cars. My brother managed to get into a little bit of a fender bender with, with my dad's car. Mm-hmm. So dad brings the thing into work and, you know, not typical insurance and, you know, rent a car because it was a price for company vehicle. So he had to take a, a vehicle off of what they called the product planning lot. So he basically borrowed a car while his car was, was being fixed. Mm-hmm. And, he he came home from work that evening with this loaner car off the product planning lot. My brother and I hear this, this roar out in the driveway. And we walk out there, and here's this orange and black 1970 Dodge Challenger TA. Wow. Right, the, the Trans Am Challenger. This was the homologation car that Chrysler had to build to race in the Trans Am series. Very cool. 346 pack, Hearst 4-speed. 
had those exhaust trumpets exiting just in front of the rear wheels. And as this kid, I'm standing there looking at this car just thinking, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. My, <laughs> my dad just brought home a race car. Yeah. And my brother is he's like chomping at the bit for this thing. You know, he's a high school senior. <laughs> of course. And dad just brought home a race car. And of course, it's 1970, so dad being, you know, corporate kind of guy, he steps out of the car, and he's wearing a three-piece navy blue suit, white shirt, red tie, just dressed completely wrong to be driving this monster of a car. <laughs> and he steps out, and he holds the keys up so that my brother can see them. And he said, you see these? And he holds open the pocket of his suit coat, and he dropped the keys in his pocket. Yeah, you're not he getting said, these, That's where they stay. <laughs> and, you know, my, my brother was, was really disappointed. I didn't care because I couldn't drive at the time. I just wanted a ride in that car. Yeah. I just wanted to be around that car. I just wanted to be with that car. It was spectacular. <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of nice to put one of those in my driveway, even though it's not the European kind of thing that I, that I tend to go for. But sure. uh, what sure. a car. What yeah, a car. what a fun yeah. story, too. Yeah, your poor brother. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, well, probably best not to yeah. <laughs> put that kind of a car at the hands of a teenager. Oh, my gosh. That's, no, a, that's no. a lot of horsepower. <laughs> well, Michael, you shared with us, uh, you know, challenges in the previous industry you were in where it was kind of coming across it or coming apart at the seams. But I'd love right. for you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. And the more important part of this is how did you overcome that? What did it teach you? Well, there was one particular project that we had in, in, in my past life here. We had gotten into doing some printing for the government printing office. And I would, so you're, you're doing printing for Social Security and the IRS. And they're, they're extremely demanding in not just quality, but how fast things are produced and samples that are given during production. They actually will bring uh, an individual in-house. And we had this job for, I believe it's for Social Security, and we were mailing, it was like 45 million pieces of mail that we had to have produced in pretty short order. Wow. And my, myself and another guy, we were the ones that had brought the government printing office business into the company that we worked for. And with that, you know, we thought, hey, we're bringing in just huge volumes of business right. that the owners just love. But there's obviously a responsibility that goes along with that. And finding that we were falling a little bit behind schedule and trying to determine why and stepping into roles that we weren't running. We were sales guys, right? We weren't the production guys that were running everything. But right. I remember literally going into the production facility at 10 o'clock one night just to kind of see what the heck was going on and why we seemed to be falling behind overnight. And I got a crash course in how to run some of the equipment. And got to talking with a couple of people that were running some equipment at very high speed while others were running a little more slowly. And having to get in there and, I mean, for as irritated as I was that we were falling behind schedule, I, I couldn't really let that be seen. Right? I, I couldn't go in there. It wasn't my place to go in and start chastising these guys for being a little slow on stuff. Sure. So I thought if I could go in there and show them that I'm, just because I'm in sales doesn't mean that I'm anything special. doesn't mean that I'm above them. We're all working together to get this done. And I ended up spending literally the entire night in that shop running the equipment side by side with these guys and making sure that they all understood the teamwork that was involved and what we were trying to accomplish here and how important it was for everybody in the building mm -hmm. to make sure that, that all of this happened. And, 
yeah, here I kind of became a production guy that <laughs> night. And it was, a, it was a completely sleepless night. But, boy, the amount of stuff that we got produced. And, you know, everybody talks about teamwork and how everything that we do is, is teamwork. But I don't think enough people fully understand just how important that teamwork is. I, I don't care what it is you're trying to do. If you're, you're racing the car, right? It's the driver that gets all, gets all the attention. Right. Lewis Hamilton won his third Formula One World Championship this year. Mm-hmm. It's Lewis Hamilton that gets all the attention. But a good driver like that will commend the team because he knows without the team, he couldn't get it done. So I guess here I was, the sales guy in charge of and responsible for all of this. But, you know, having to kind of go in and fire up the team and get them together and make it all. It taught me an awful lot about teamwork. Very important, and uh, a lot of people that uh, work out, outside or in a different part of one industry and, and don't roll up their sleeves and get their fingers a little dirty uh, sometimes don't realize that and how far that can go. I mean, those guys now will respect you even more or did respect Absolutely. you even more for coming in and doing that, not just coming in and yelling at them and going home and going to bed while they worked all night. So very nice story. Exactly. Well, let's yeah. shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a, a career aha moment. I like to say it's when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for this new direction you have, this new idea, thought, process, comment, and tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. Yeah, sure. This this kind of goes back to when, when I was watching the, the whole direct mail kind of thing starting to fall apart and trying to figure out if there was a way to actually get into McGuire's and Having done so much sales and marketing, I thought kind of the natural thing for me was to try and step into the marketing department, McGuire's, and getting to, to talking to some of the guys, again, out, out at SEMA, uh, doing some projects that we were doing, it, it kind of became apparent to me that that wasn't really going to happen because my my sales background didn't really fit that cleanly with kind of the way our, our marketing team at McGuire's works. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've got a pretty unique marketing group. There, there's a there's, there's a passion that, that flows there, and there's there's some unique ideas, uh, not only product wise, but, but how they actually work. So that wasn't anything that I could just kind of make a lateral step into. And then sales, obviously, is a very different thing. But because of my product and technical knowledge, the thought of maybe getting into the customer service end of things, you know, I've never even really considered a customer service role. And you know, when I when I thought about when presenting projects, when trying to sell things to Oakley, right? A lot of it wasn't really selling to them. It was looking at the piece that they wanted to produce and helping them figure out a more effective way to produce it based on our equipment in the shop. You know, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, isn't that kind of teaching somebody how to do something? Isn't that teaching them a different way to do basically the same thing? And, you know, maybe that, that will work with this. And, Sure enough, it dovetailed in beautifully. And then I started working as often as I could with our event marketing team, right? Because we've got these trucks to travel to, to major events, and, and we, uh, we've got a huge presence at, at car shows where we're talking to car guys right there with their cars about product and, and process and whatnot. Right. And it, it kind of became this, well, wait a minute. I know, how to do I know how to talk to people about how to make things happen, and I understand mcguire's product i've been such a big fan of been hanging out at the place for years this could work yeah this could work how about proudest career moments uh, i i would assume you've had many you've helped so many people throughout the years learn how to use the products and 
and uh, have fun with their cars. Is there one in particular that stands out for you? Yeah, you know, the it, as much fun as it is to see other folks get that kind of aha moment when they, they finally figure out that they shouldn't be terrified of a dual-action polisher, or when they realize how they've been doing things wrong, that happens all the time, and it's fantastic every time, and I never get tired of it. How about your first special car? Is there a car that was the first one for you that really stood out? Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's kind of an unusual car for, for someone to, uh, to refer to it as their first really special car, but it was my first car. And that was a 1974 Dodge Colt GT. Okay. And uh, I'm sure that, that your audience is collectively rolling their eyes thinking, you got to be kidding me. But I tell you what, this, you know, my dad always talks to me about lightweight European sports cars and everything. You know, it's time to get my first car. And I'm shopping around. And, and you know, of course, I find something like a 74 Dodge Charger with a 440 in it. And my dad's like, you know, the typical, I'm going to kill yourself in that car, kid. Well, my sister had bought this, this little Dodge Colt, little 1600cc four-cylinder engine, rear-wheel drive, manual gearbox. She bought it new, had it for three years, and uh, was going to buy a new car. And my dad said, why don't you buy your sister's car? Mm. And I thought, you, you got to be kidding me. This, I'm, no, I'm not driving that little thing. <laughs> and he kind of made me a deal I couldn't refuse. And what that car taught me was how much fun it is to drive a lightweight rear-wheel drive manual transmission car all my friends had had you know american quasi-muscle cars with automatic transmissions and i was the only one with a with a stick yeah and it was a blast and the car had thirty thousand miles on it when i got it to my sister i gave it to my brother-in-law my young brother-in-law when it had two hundred thousand miles on it and the places that car took me, the freedom that car gave me, the, the memories that I have with, with friends and vacations, I mean, packing that thing up and me and a couple of buddies right after we graduated high school, drove all the way to the Florida Keys and went camping on the beach for a week. <laughs> Very and cool. That, that little Japanese car never let me down. I learned how to change oil on that car. I learned how to, <laughs> learned how to adjust the points. Change mm -hmm. the condenser, remember all that kind of oh, stuff, right? Oh, yes, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, setting the valves, I mean, all that kind of stuff. I did all that maintenance myself on that car, and what that car taught me about taking care of a vehicle and freedom and enjoyment, that car is still so special. I mean, I've got a really cool picture of it um, hanging on the wall in my office. It was an interesting collaboration back then, you know, with Mitsubishi Motors and yeah. even though it had a Dodge Colt name badge on it, really was a car from Japan. And I think it was kind of their answer to the Gremlin, the Pinto, the Vega, those cars that were coming out, those little sporty kind of import cars, if you will, that uh, competed with the Japanese market in some respect, but still had a U.S. Uh, marquee on it. So very, very cool. How about cars you've sold that you really wish you had back in the garage is there one in particular yeah i had an e30 bmw and man i wish i still had that car it was it was a 318 so it was just a little four banger but again so light so nimble so well balanced and, and driving around the canyons here in southern california that car was just a blast if i had that car today uh it would be a dedicated track day car Oh, yeah, for sure. How about current projects? We're into the new year here, and 
Uh, what are you guys looking ahead to there, McGuire's, that you're excited about this year? Well, what I'm really excited about for 2016 and beyond is I've just recently stepped into a new role at McGuire's. For the last six or so years, I've been running our discussion forum. Uh, I've been teaching our Saturday classes in our Thursday night garages, and uh, that is all kind of going away for me, and, and I've moved into this new role of, of senior global product and training specialist. So I'm, I'm actually going to be traveling the world and wow. working with our international partners. Uh, at SEMA, they all come in from around the world, and we have a, a variety of meetings and introduce new products and whatnot to them. And I've had the opportunity in the past to meet several of these people. But this year, even more, I did some training with a bunch of these guys. I've done training with several of them when they've come to the States in the past. But mm-hmm. now I'm going to be going to their facilities and training them and their customers on our products and, and proper use of. And what's really exciting is, you know, things are very different the way they're done in China versus the way they're done in Brazil versus the way they're done in Switzerland. Sure. And I get to get involved in all of that. So my first, my first international trip in 2016 probably won't be till the middle of the year, but it looks like it's going to be Japan, China, and South Korea. Nice. Very and, cool. And I am, I am just so, so stoked to be doing that. Yeah. It, it's gonna, the people are wonderful. Uh, I, I love to travel. I've always wanted to go to that part of the world. And by golly, I finally get to do it, and somebody <laughs> else is going to pay for it. There you go. You figured out another secret to life. So you're on a good track. Congratulations. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Michael. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? You know, that's that's an interesting question. And I've heard you ask this, obviously, on, on your other podcast, folks. And, and I've often wondered exactly what you meant by that. <laughs> and I know there's a few different ways that, that people can, you know, what kind of car would I like to be? What what kind of Yeah, this is more car? about how yeah. you really perceive yourself. All of us would love to be a sexy Italian race car or something. But, no, this is how you perceive yourself yeah. manifested into a vehicle. Yeah, and that's kind of what I came to really think was really the proper way to, to, to look at that question. And, you know, I, I think back to... Uh, my, my love of classic European sports cars. I, I'm crazy for Italian design. I absolutely love so many different uh, Alfa Romeos and Maseratis and Ferraris and Lanchas and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a big fan of British cars. But, of course, I grew up outside Detroit. So how about a British car designed by an Italian and powered by an American V8? <laughs> I like it. The Jensen Interceptor. Oh, okay. Now there's, okay. Now we got to talk about this. this. The Jensen has a kind of dicey background, doesn't it? Yeah, but I like quirky, unique, different, unusual stuff. Yeah, okay. You know, and so here, here's this car that it, it has some, some interesting design, but I mean, it, the interior is just so British with the, the leather and the wood and the wool carpeting. Oh, yes. But it was, it was designed by, um, Carrozzeria Touring out of Italy. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was powered by a big Chrysler V8. Yeah. I, I mean, what, what, <laughs> nice. they kind of described me. There you go. You, <laughs> you answered the question very well. Congratulations, Michael. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. 
But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Michael, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Okay, go for it. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't defer maintenance. Oh, absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Sure. I think uh, most importantly, and this really came from all the years that I've been sales, be a good listener. Yes, very important. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners you think they would enjoy? You know, I think for anybody that is at all interested in appearance care on their car, McGuire's forum, uh, mcguiresonline.com, is just chock full of anything that you would care to know about, not only about our products, but how to use them properly and, and how to maximize the appearance of your car and keep it looking good for a long, long time. McGuire'sOnline.com. It's a great forum. Absolutely. How about Thank a you. book? Is there one book in particular you think the Car Shout listeners would enjoy reading that you've enjoyed? You know what? I was actually given a book by a good buddy of mine, Alfred Marino in Florida. It's called Listening Pays. Mm. He's actually kind of highlighted in this book, although under a, a fictitious name, uh, although he is credited actually personally. And it, it, it is all about listening skills and the importance of listening. And what's really kind of unique about this is that my, my buddy Alfred is deaf. Mm. Wow. Okay. He, he, he's a detailer. He's a professional detailer. He conducts clinics and whatnot, but he's, he's deaf. And yet when you ask him what's one of the most important things in life, he'll tell you, listening. Yes. Ah, excellent. I love it. Great suggestion. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources that Michael's been so kind to share with us at carsyeah.com slash Michael Stoops. And there's a really cool area on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where you can go and click on the past 436 now guests here on Cars yeah with easy, quick links to this book and all the other books that have been recommended by past guests. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question, speaking of a doozy, can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price, Michael, because I'm going to buy whatever you'd like. So kind. <laughs> I know. Aren't I a nice guy? I've got a lot of cars over the last year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> what would that vehicle be and why? I think that vehicle would be, and I've thought long and hard about this, and it's, it's so difficult when I go to events and I see so many beautiful cars, but I said I like things that are a little different, a little unique. 1955 Lancia Aurelia B24 Spider America. Lancia Aurelia Spider America. First of all, Lancia Engineering is, uh, they're, they're known for all kinds of fantastically unique first and one. I mean, they, they developed the first V6 engine, right? In the, uh, the Lancia Aurelia, which started off as a sedan, uh, they make this, this wonderful little B20 coupe back in the day. Uh, which actually came second overall in the New Amelia back in the, in the early 50s. But they eventually came out with a, uh, a convertible version, uh, actually a convertible and a full Spider with 
you know, no door handles, no roll-up windows, none of that. Right. And, I mean, the cars are worth, they're seven-figure cars today. Oh, sure. But they, they have this, this beautiful, clean, crisp Italian style to them. You know, originally designed by Vittorio Iano, of all people. I mean, come on, how could you not want a Vittorio Iano design anything, right? <laughs> Oh, yes. And I've, I've had the great good fortune to at least sit in one of these. Mm-hmm. And there's such a purity of design. And they're just drop-dead beautiful cars. Yeah, you know, you've chosen something very special here because I've asked this question of so many guests now, and nobody's ever chosen or selected this vehicle. And when you look at this car, it has a stance about it that's a combination of, like you said, this kind of sexy, beautiful Italian styling, but kind of toyish almost. It's, it's kind of a fun little car, almost like a cartoon car. And I, I hate to say that because I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but it just has this smile about it when you look at it. And that beautiful grill, kind of that big V-shaped grill on the front and the Little delicate bumpers and ah, uh, yes. Yeah, and it's a, it's a car that, that, you know, is from the same era as the BMW 507. Yeah, and yeah, has that feel to it. 300 SL. Yeah, so it's it's kind of right in, it's almost the Italian version in, in that kind of genre of car, you know, from the mid 50s like that. But it, it just has this delicacy and this beauty to it. That yes. I'm, I just, every time I see one, I'm just blown away. We got to get you that car so you can drive it. You know, and even the windshield, it reminds me of kind of the mid-50s Corvettes, uh, the way the windshield mm-hmm. kind of wraps around the side a little bit. So it's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful car. What color would you like that in? You know, I've seen several of them in black with a with a, a camel or saddle brown interior. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I would not complain if someone handed one. Oh, wait, if you bought that for me. Yeah, <laughs> you no, would, I'd be fine with that, You Mark. wouldn't complain. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, thanks a lot. <laughs> And you offered, my friend. I did, I did. Well, it's a really unique and great choice. I really like that car. Well, Michael, you have taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed talking with you and learning more about your stories and your life at McGuire's there. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yacht listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive up the Pacific Coast Highway where you're living in your 55 Lancia Aurelia B24 Spider America? You know, I think the car guys, we we need to be open to all kinds of different cars out there, right? You, you, you're going to buy what you like. You're going to spend your money on what you like. But to, you have to enjoy and respect all the other types of cars that are out there and the people that own them and are crazy passionate about them. Just be good to each other. Just just have fun with each other. Just enjoy each other. You know, it's, yeah. it's actually easier to be nice to people than it is to get into conflicts. And uh, we're all car guys. We may have different ideas about, you know, which which cars we prefer. But just be good to each other and enjoy each other's company and respect those other vehicles and, and people's choices for them. Let's yeah. have fun. Yep, absolutely. I always say if it rolls on rubber, I love it. So You got it. I'm with you. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and McGuire's? Obviously, McGuire's corporate website, McGuire's.com. I, I have, uh, since, since I ran the forum for so long, I have well in excess of 20,000 posts wow. on that forum. So uh, you want to learn a little bit more about where I'm coming from, jump in there and wade through some of those if you'd like. Otherwise, yeah, you know, we've got our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash McGuire's USA, and obviously our Facebook page. Or you can hit me up on Facebook as well under my full name, Michael Stoops. Absolutely. Great. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything Michael shared with us again. 
Today here at CarsYeah.com, just put Michael in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. Well, Michael, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. Have a good one, buddy. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.